coming up on this week's episode, our teams went head-to-head this weekend, so we will be discussing that. Also, we'll look at the Liverpool City game. We're also going to take a discussion on the England at the World Cup. We're each going to choose a player that we think should definitely be on the bus to uh, Qatar. And we've also got all our usual stuff, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to a new episode of View from the Sideline Podcast. It's Chris here and hello Liam. Hi Chris, how are you doing? Not Very good, than me. smiling, smiling <laughs> like a Cheshire cat. Yeah, I, I mean, bet you were. We'll, um, we'll go into the game in a minute, but uh, you know, it, it wasn't as easy as probably some might have thought, but We'll, we'll get into that discussion in a minute. Yeah. We're also going to look at the other big game from the weekend, the Liverpool-Man City game. And we're also going to do a bit on um, England as well. As the World Cup is fast approaching. I think it's literally... What, it's about a four, month, I think. Like three, four weeks' time. Yeah. Which, um, which when the you first, think about... Yeah, I think the first game is, is, is actually on my birthday, I think on November 21st. So I'm guessing the squad will be a good couple of weeks before that, wouldn't it, I would have thought. I would expect the squad to be released at least two, three weeks before. Because um, weirdly, they normally pick a provisional squad, don't they? And then they yes, narrow it down. shorten it down, but without any... Because they're not playing friendlies before these games, so yeah. I assume... It will be sort of the, I think it's like a 26-man squad, isn't it? 26, 27? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I'll have to wait and see. But we'll we'll go into, um, it's probably not the biggest game for everyone, but obviously the biggest game for the podcast. <laughs> um, this weekend it was the the annual meeting of Villa versus Chelsea. The Spencer White derby. Um, yes. Yeah, and... Um, I, well, gladly came out on top again. <laughs> um, yes, but I think I think the the fairest comment that you know anyone can make, and that anyone that saw the match or saw the highlights, um, I think Chelsea rode their luck a lot, and for the first sixty minutes, even though Chelsea had scored one, mm. it was very much all Villa, and without some oddly weird. Fantastic saves from Kepa, which is unlike you. You, you, you seem to have met a version of Kepa that no one has ever seen before. Yeah. Um, he loves he loves playing against us. We, so, we have got we have got some players that generally are terrible. Normally they play for Chelsea, but seem to have good games against us. I remember we spoke about Torres last week, um, and I think Shevchenko scored against us. And yeah, today, well, this weekend it was Kepa, wasn't it? He had an absolute worldie. Yeah, I mean, um, there was the qu- almost quadruple save, shall yeah. we say, from I think it was pretty much every every one of your attacking players seemed to have a chance at goal. Yeah, um, Douglas Luiz um, just decided to, to actually smash it um, wide, um, and then the Danny Ings one from uh, from about two yards. I mean. You, you have to say is it was a great save, but if he puts either side of Kepa, he doesn't get it. So yeah, um, yes, you know. Um, and to be fair, you know, it what you saw on the pitch from Villa, you you wouldn't sort of look at the league table and think that's you know where they where they should be, and it makes you think sort of 
why aren't they playing like this sort of against the other teams around them, mm. you know, when you when you come up against them and you know, Gerard he's come under a lot of pressure sort of this last week, especially. Um probably the first time in his management career that he's probably felt anything like this because mm. sort of the whole thing with Rangers you know, it was it was always pretty positive, wasn't it? But you'd expect that from you know the first second best team in in Scotland. But you know he's he's in a position now where he's probably not been before, and you know I personally, you know, I didn't think there was actually anything wrong with the way that you played. You know, I I, I don't think it's anything that he influenced that actually made you lose that game. It was just one bad mistake from a header from mm. a player that's likely going to be playing for England in Qatar. And it was just a free kick that I'm not really too sure what happened with the keeper, but he, he kind of went the wrong way and kind of, it was just literally went straight through the middle of the goal. Other than that, can't say that Chelsea really created anything at all. Yeah, it was, it was individual errors. I think that cost us, um, you know the Mings header. I, I, I can see why people are frustrated. You know a lot of Villa fans on Twitter, but it's just gone up to head, head the ball away, and it's just spun off at a strange angle. And it's one of those. You know, it's not like he's not spotted a player and tried a back pass or something like that. You know, he's genuinely gone up to head the ball away, and it's just spun off. And you know, I I can forgive him for that. He wasn't trying to do something stupid. It just you know it was one of those. The free kick, to be fair, I think I'm going to look at this from your point of view. I actually think it's a good free kick. I'll defend Martinez a little bit. It seemed to be one of those where, because of how the player hits it, it kind of goes goes to swerve one way and then comes back. And as a keeper, I've been in that situation where you're. it's almost as though it takes a deflection. You either expect it to move and it doesn't, or you don't expect it to move and it does. Either way, you end up looking a bit daft when it goes past you. So you always defend the side of the goal that you're on and just let the wall do its job. He's obviously taken a step to the right, thinking that it's coming over the wall, and it hasn't. So he's just been wrong-footed a little bit. But I thought it was a good free kick, to be fair. It's one of those that dips quite a bit. It just sort of, you know, clipped the underside of the bar almost. It was pretty, it was, you know, not in the corner, but powerful enough to cause problems but like you say we had our chances and I think at the minute we've been playing a lot of teams with quite a negative mindset I've been looking at our stats recently I think there's only a couple of games this season where we've had an expected goals of above one and when you're playing with players like Coutinho Buendia, Ings, Watkins, Bailey as well, who I actually thought had a good game. Um, you you expect to make chances, really, don't you? And the fact that we're not uh, kind of implies that Coutinho isn't really doing what he's in the team to do. He obviously didn't start um, against you guys at the weekend. He didn't start Buendia either. Um, he went straight for Bailey, Watkins and Ings up front. And I think it looked dangerous. We had a bit of pace about us. But it's just that finishing touch, isn't it? it we're, we're low on confidence. The strikers are low on confidence. Watkins hasn't scored for a while. Ings hasn't scored for a while. 
I think on another day, if 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 we've come into that game off the back of a two nil win or something, and one of the strikers has scored, they probably go and get a couple of goals. But um, yeah, it was one of those where you could see the atmosphere deflate as soon as that second goal went in. Like you say, for sixty minutes we looked really good, but the more chances we missed, the less belief we had. And in a game like that, where you're chasing it. And you want the last 10 minutes to be constant pressure, you know, high up the pitch, creating chances, getting free kicks, getting corners. We we just didn't show that when it got to 2-0. There was no desire. There were, they just didn't, we seemed to lose all confidence. And that's the worry, I think, for me at the moment. Yeah. When we go behind, we don't feel positive enough to come back. So um, credit to Chelsea. I think actually... Potter has, has done a very good job since he's come in. I think tactically he set you guys up right. I know you did concede a few chances, um, but I guess a team like us, it, it doesn't matter that much. And when you've got, you know, he made the brave decision to keep Kepper in goal. Mendy was on the bench, <coughs> yeah, and it's paid off. Yeah. So with obviously with regards to Villa moving forward, you've got Fulham on Thursday and then Brentford on yeah. Sunday. Do you think that if you, I'm assuming that in your head you 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 think that you should probably be winning both of those? Uh, and pro- if, I, four points, I think. Right, I think okay. I think a minimum four points from those games. Okay. Um, if we beat Fulham, I th- I think a draw against Brentford will keep Gerrard in a job. I think anything less than a win against Fulham, though, and it might be enough for him. I, w- I thought it might be enough uh, against you guys, but I, th- I, I don't think they're going to make that call this week with the games coming so thick and fast. Yeah. They may end up waiting until the World Cup and doing it, but I think unless he goes on a miraculous run from now until the World Cup break, it, it's a long way back. I think I think I think it will. I think he's probably got a couple more games, but um, I probably agree with what you're saying. I think even if he was to lose the next two, I don't think that they'd be getting rid of him um, before the World Cup. Just like you said, just because the amount of games that they got coming up, so it just wouldn't make sense unless you have the assistant. Um, it's Gary McAllister, isn't it? Your yes. Yes. Um, but I'm assuming that if Gerard was to be sacked, he would more than likely be going as well. So yeah. it just it to me it just doesn't make any sense to, to be sacking anyone j- just now uh, and wait till the World Cup. But then, you know, you still got what, five, six games before the World Cup? Is yeah. is, is that leaving it too late? You know, you, you know Well, at the minute the, the it's sort of the the thing that's keeping them in a job and it's also the most frustrating thing is that it's so tight in that middle pack again this season a couple of wins and you're right at the top of the table you know you're you're looking at sort of seventh eighth position at the minute and the frustrating thing from our perspective being a Villa fan is that's where we expect to be with the money that's gone in uh you know the players that we've bought we expect to be there not easily by any means but with the competition all beating each other around us, we're saying, well, hang on, why aren't, why aren't we beating them as well, if that makes sense? So, in a league where everybody 
he's beating everybody. I think you look at like Brighton and um, Brighton last season as well, but Wolves have done it as well previously. It's that race for the best of the rest. And I think we believe we can be that best of the rest. You, you've got your top six or seven. That's understandable. But I don't see why with the squad we've got, why are we sort of in the middle of the pack with mm. other teams that we think on paper we've got a better starting eleven, probably even a better and bigger squad now. Um, so I think it's the thing that's keeping Gerard in the game in in our in the management position. I think because the the, the board are going to say a couple of wins and he's right back up the table and we're looking to get to you know top half. But why aren't we there? <laughs> you know, yeah. there's some really there's some really poor teams around us. I think mean, there's some really poor teams in the Premier League this year. I mean, you look at the fact that. Bournemouth have gone on a run at the minute and I don't mean it as a disrespectful thing to Bournemouth but obviously it's their first year back in the Premier League they lost 9-0 to Liverpool and now they've gone on a run and look at where they are in the table I think we're looking a bit enviously at a team like that thinking well if they can do it with their squad and you know they're backing why are we spending hundreds of billions of pounds and we're still behind them so that's the frustrating thing I think from our point of view at the moment Right, well, um, I'll leave it there. We'll see what happens to uh, Gerard in the next few weeks. Um, <clears throat> just obviously a quick note on Chelsea and the whole the whole Potter thing. I think you know, it's so far so good. I would say I, I wouldn't say that we're playing brilliantly. I mean, there's <clears throat> occasions in the league this season under him where I don't think we've been at our best that we've just scraped through. Um, sign but, of, it's a sign of a good team, though, isn't it? But yeah, and but Champions League, you know, I mean, since he's, you know, we, we drew against Salzburg, but he's beaten AC Milan home and away, so, yeah. um, you know, that that has to, you know, go in his favour of what he's done since he's come in. Um, I, I have a feeling that he, I don't think his teams are necessarily the the best to watch but when it comes to actually grinding out a result you know turning a draw into a win or turning a defeat into a draw yeah i think he's yeah i think i think he's the right man for chelsea at the moment he's really he's he's changed my opinion in the first few games yeah but there's huge injury news for for reese james yeah um, I think <clears throat> he's he's going to be hugely missed for chelsea over the next few weeks but also um, I would have had him playing at right back or right wing back for England as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, you know, it's a big loss for both. Um, and I don't know if you saw about Kante as well, but he's not going to be back for a long time apparently. So, I think he's had a few niggle injuries over the last couple of years, and I think he's amalgamated into um, something a bit, bit, bit worse now. So. His contract, his contract runs out in the summer, and from what I'm hearing, it's not going to be renewed. So, um, you know, I, I still think Kante is probably up there with the best centre defensive midfielders ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's probably there or thereabouts with Claude Makélélé. Um, mm-hmm. He also plays for Chelsea, so. Um, you love a defensive midfielder, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, well, um, we'll move on to the um, to I say so everyone else would have called the big game this this uh, weekend. Uh, Liverpool, Man City. 
Now, mm. I think going into this, I think we both would have said that City were clear favourites with the um, the way that City have been playing so far this season and then the way the disappointing start that Liverpool have had. I mean, the game itself was was very close. Yeah. It had that sort of fieriness to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there were some referee mistakes within the game as well. Um, and I think Pep, I don't know if you've seen the interview with Pep after the game. It's is hilarious to watch. And if you haven't seen it, I'll send it to you later. Yeah. So he, he says, the, the reporter says to him, oh, you know, <laughs> what incident are you talking about? And he just kind of stares at him and he's like in disbelief that he's actually asking him the question of what, you know, what are they actually talking about? But, you know, I think Pep's got a a point, you know, I think it was a penalty and I don't don't really think that, I I don't know, I don't know how it was missed to be fair. Yeah, no. Um, But Man City just looked average, which is the first time this season I think anyone's made them well, it's the like second that. time, let's be honest. You know, oh, Aston no. Villa. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, it was just very strange to watch. I, you know, def- it was everything that Liverpool had been bad at this season. It just, they just seemed to go back to like last season's Liverpool, like within yeah. the space of like a game, and it was just very strange to watch. Like the, the like they defended like really well. Like Van Dijk had a great game. Yeah. And, and Gomez as well, actually, both yeah, of them, I think. Yeah, and then it was the opposite for Man City. The things that they've been so good at this season, like going forward, mm-hmm. they just couldn't. They couldn't either get the final pass, or they just couldn't get a clear shot away. And it's a defensive mistake at the end of the day that's cost them the game. The Cancelo, of all people, who's probably been their best defender this season. So you know, credit to Liverpool for. Um, for winning the game and it was, it was a good finish by Salah as well yeah um, but it was it was just straight it, it was like every sort of game we'd seen Liverpool be bad in this season it just kind of felt like they, they were my, they were miles better at the weekend than what they've been yeah loads better and I think I watched them in midweek against Rangers and there was a point I think in sort of the second half, where they got a couple of goals in quick succession. Obviously, they went on to get seven in the end. But it just looked like something had been lifted in the second half performance there. Not to say I expected them to beat Man City. Didn't at all. I still thought Man City were going to win. But you could see just a little bit of confidence come back. Um, He's obviously played Gomez right back recently uh, with Trent being out and I think it I think it was a good decision to play Milner you need an old head when there's a game when there's a game like that like you say it was fiery there was tackles going in I was quite surprised that there wasn't someone sent off at some point but you know the ref let the game flow yeah you know take take the mistakes out of it (laughs) yes it was a penalty but I think he got the goal ruled out right yeah. I think he, he, he probably right. should have um, blown to begin with, to be fair. He probably should have given a free kick anyway. Um, but I thought, actually, that's what VAR's for. There was a definite pull. I thought that was a foul. I don't think it was a foul on the keeper. I think they went on to sort of say, oh, even if that hadn't have been given, it was a foul on the goalkeeper as well. 
well, I don't think that was, but there was a foul in the build-up. You could see a shirt tug. Um, I feel this, the thing I thought was strange, City have been playing so well this season. They've played basically the same formation every single game, and they decided to change it here. And yeah. I don't know whether it's because they've got a little bit of a... Obviously, there's a rivalry with Liverpool, but they've maybe struggled there in the past to match sort of Liverpool's intensity, their high press. When the Anfield crowd gets behind them, it's quite a hostile place to be. And I don't know whether he thought changing system was a good idea to sort of like nullify their threat a bit, keep the crowd a bit quiet. But it just didn't seem to work. It, City can almost pass through a team without looking where they're passing because they know where everybody's going to be on the pitch. And it just didn't feel like that Man City. <coughs> no. Um so I don't think they were as probably as accurate as they have been recently. Haaland didn't really have many chances. No. Um, I think he had one header. That was about it. But they kept him quite quiet. Liverpool did. Gomez, I thought, played well, like I say, and Van Dijk as well. But um, I know it was a mistake from Cancelo, but the touch from Salah, yeah. you know, I'd, mistake or not, it's still a great goal. And he obviously finished it really well as well. Um, but... Great save from Edison as well to sort of stop him a few minutes beforehand in a similar position as well, one-on-one. I thought it was a really interesting game to watch. Although it was 1-0, I thought it was very, very entertaining. Um, And I quite like a referee that lets the game flow. Let's put it that way. It's quite nice from a neutral perspective to watch it. But only only one sub made by Man City as well, and that was in the 89th minute. Yeah, it's unusual. Um, he yeah. had Grealish and Mares on the bench, and he's used Palmer a few times as well this this season. Mm. Um, he bought on Alvarez, um, but you would have thought that he might have, you know, bought Mares or Grealish on sort of with ten minutes to go. I mean, it it, yeah. it was a weird formation that Man City was playing. It was almost like Foden was playing sort of left wing back. Yeah, it was like a back um, three, wasn't there? And, and Foden and Cancelo were kind of stuck out on either wing back but then kind of not I don't know it was I've never seen them play that way before it's very very strange I don't know yeah. why they decided to change it I think they said I've matched the day if, if it ain't broke don't fix it and yeah I, 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 mean, I, I agree with that I don't understand why he did that I think it might have been the fact that he had Milner playing at right back maybe he thought that they could expose Milner a bit more by playing by pushing sort of Foden and Silva out that sort of side um but it didn't work like you said no. <laughs> it didn't work at all no. um but yeah no it was um interesting game but Klopp did end up getting sent off didn't he so yeah I mean which I understand I mean he, yeah. he obviously shouted abuse but at the end of the day it was a clear foul that wasn't given so I'd, I don't really know you know as a manager in a game like that You've got to expect them to to yeah. sort of shout for their team, which but is still, fair enough. I think the yellow card might have been better. They're 14 I'd, points behind Arsenal and Liverpool, um, and they have a game in hand. Um, I mean, even gap. even with the if they won their game in hand, they'd actually go into fifth. So it's not it's you know mm. I wouldn't say it's as doom as gloom as what it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, but um, <clears throat> with with obviously Man City slipping up. You know, Tottenham and Chelsea both winning. You know, they've um, 
they've gained there. And obviously with Man United and Newcastle right behind Chelsea, they drew nil nil. So mm. you know, Chelsea I think there's got a three point gap between them and Man United and a four point gap with a game in hand over Newcastle. So you know, it is starting to shape up a little bit, I think. Um Arsenal I don't know what's going on there to be honest. With you. No. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Um no. But Do you when, know what I, I have enjoyed this season, Chris? And, and Arsenal uh, are one of the main components to it, and Liverpool as well. They've not been afraid to play younger players yeah. in bigger games. I was quite surprised to see both Carvalho and Elliot on the pitch for Liverpool. You know, in a game that's obviously quite feisty, you know, there's a lot of tackles going in, big atmosphere. For an 18-year-old like Carvalho um, to play in that, you know, fair play to him and fair play yeah. to Klopp for giving him a go. But Arsenal have been doing the same as well. They've been playing their youngsters. I know we've had Saka on for for quite a while now, but they're not they're not afraid, are they? They just they yeah. keep on, you know, substitute appearances. Elliot even started for Liverpool at the weekend. And um yeah, brave decision I think to do that. But uh, he had a great game as well. He was another player I thought played really well. So best defence in the league at the moment is Newcastle. They've conceded nine goals in ten games. Bearing in mind they conceded three against Man City and two against Liverpool. Um, mm. So that's five. So they've conceded, if you take away those games, they've conceded four goals in eight games. Not uh, bad. So, yeah. So that's pretty good. But, yeah. Mm. Right. Let's move on to England. And yeah. What we sort of think is going to happen um, with them uh, over the winter. Seems weird saying winter. Well, winter mm. World Cup. Um Obviously, with the World Cup, like we said, coming up, sort of four weeks' time. Um, I'm sure Southgate is already putting pen to paper on who he thinks, you know, who he thinks he's going to be choosing in that squad. And I, I think, I think the squad itself, I, I think it sort of picks itself for about eighteen, nineteen of the players. Yeah, I it's think consist- you're probably right. He's consistent picks that he picks every single time sort of no matter what sort of form they've been in I think Harry Maguire is one of those you know he's he's barely played any minutes over the last sort of month but you probably expect him still to go to the World Cup might not play might not necessarily play I assume he will to be honest I I, I expect him to start game one to be honest I just don't think Southgate trusts anybody else for some reason so um, what I thought we could do is maybe um, maybe have pick one goalkeeper, defender, midfielder and striker who might not necessarily be one of those sort of 18 or might not necessarily start but will go, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just go for it. So for goalkeepers, he's very, very consistent with Pickford, isn't he? He and is. You would probably say that he is going to stick with Pickford. Um, but I've just given you some facts about Newcastle. And exactly. And I, I, I'd be, um, I would be surprised if he didn't go with Pickford, but I think you're right. I think what you're going to yeah. say is absolutely spot on. For me, Nick Pope, I think one has to go to, to Qatar and two, yeah. I I personally would play him over Pickford. Yeah. Just purely down to if if you look at the form of the two players and I know different defenders in front of the keeper do different things, but 
on paper, you wouldn't really say that Everton and Newcastle's defence are that much, you know, there's not a huge gap in, in quality there, is there? So no, I don't I, think so. And I, and I think you look at, as well, for a goalkeeper, you I, I don't know what their shots percentage saved is, is like, but just having that command of the area, someone who you just feel confident that you know is going to be consistent and... Yeah do the right thing at the right time and I don't get that with Pickford I get a bit nervous when he's on the ball yeah so or I, I guess we're agreeing with Pope then we're agreeing with Pope I'd, I'd also I'd also God. add Ramsdale yeah into that I'd add Ramsdale into it because I think he's had a good season but again I'm probably not as confident with him on the ball as I am with Nick Pope I know that we I think Managers like to play an expansive game now. They like the keeper to be good with both feet. And I think probably you could argue Pickford and Ramsdale are better on the ball. But I don't like playing. I want my goalkeeper to save shots. I don't yeah. like them being passing, passing out from the back. So I would go with Nick Pope as well. But I'd also add Ramsdale above Pickford. Oh, I think I'd have Pickford as third choice. I think we've named the three that are going. I think we're agreed on those three. Yeah. We'll, we'll more than likely... Um, Sort of be the ones that are um, gonna be gonna be picked. Um, right, so we'll move on to defenders now. I am gonna put it out there that this is hard. This is really hard because with the with the whole right back situation at the moment, when you look at it, so. Reese James, mm-hmm. very unlikely. Yeah, almost if impossible. He's, fit, he's going. If he's fit, if he's fit, I think he goes. But obviously, he would have. He would have been my pick. Reese James would have been my pick. He would yeah. have been the one that I said has to start for England in a back four or back five. Yeah, Carl Walker again. Yeah. He's another doubt. So yeah. I'm assuming that Trent is going to fill in at that right back position. Yes, hear me out. What about Tyreek Mitchell from Crystal Palace? Can we give the man a go? I mean, we've got oh. so much. We've got so much depth in that position. It's it's not. We've not had a situation where we've not been able to select at least two out of the three yeah. of those people you've just mentioned. Yeah. Whether Walker makes it or not, I don't know. He seems quite confident. I think that he's going to be fit in time. He but let's just played. say the thing he's not played at all, has he? That's that's no. the thing. So you are going to look at Trent and another, aren't you? Yeah, I'm saying him now. I've heard Ben White because he's he's been play, he's been filling in at right back, hasn't he? For Arsenal, he has. And Gomez has been playing at right back for Liverpool yeah. while Trent's been out as well. But, but I would say they're out and out. They're not no. out and out, are they? This is why I've chosen this young man. Yeah, um, I would agree with you that someone else is needed in that yeah. position. Mitchell, I think, has played well. I'm obviously biased. So oh, hang gonna... on, hang on. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I was going to say he's, he's played for Poland now, anyway. So my cash doesn't count. But I wish I wish he hadn't have chosen Poland at this point. Um, I don't I don't know who else I'd have actually at right back. I mean. This season, you've played Hudson-Odoi at wing-back, haven't you? Well, he's and not he's at, looked... Well, he's not at Chelsea at the moment. He's he's moved, hasn't he? So. Oh, has he moved? Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but he looked okay in the games that he played at Wimbledon. What about what about Wan Bissaka? We have we sold on that, or we because he's not really been playing, has he? I don't know if he's no. Eighteen months ago, I think eighteen months, two years ago, he's in with a shout. But when he has played, he's not had great form. Um, And yeah, I don't think he's played for a little little while. Malassi has been playing mostly, hasn't he, at right back? I think for them or Dallow. So. Yeah, I don't think he'll be in with a shout. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw some more names in the ring, but for the other side of the pitch, because I think left back has been a problem for a while. I think Shaw, it's hit and miss with his fitness. Chilwell's now back and playing. So I think, I think Chilwell is fine and will go, but I think we need another left back to go, um, along with Chilwell. And I'm, I've got two names in mind. Um, again, you might think I'm biased, but it doesn't play for us anymore. So Matt Target, I think, has had a good season. And I also think that um, Rico Henry has played well for Brentford, and he mm-hmm. never gets a look in, which I think is bad because he's quite consistent. Yeah. Um, but we've also counted out Trippier. Yeah, why have we counted out Trippier? Because he can play right back as well, can't he? Does he, is he he's not retired, has he, yet? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but he de- he definitely be going. I would have thought. Yeah, it's one of those. He's not finished. He's twenty eight. That's, uh, that's the, uh, we we need to take Anthony Amy in goal just for that quote. Um, but yeah, I I think um, I think wing back is our problem. Well, centre back as well. I think our defence as a whole is a, is a problem. But I would have. Yeah, I'd, I'd have a look at Target and Henry to maybe back up Chilwell yeah. as left back, just because Shaw. Fitness has been on and off. He was great. He had a great Euros for us, though, Luke Shaw. So you know, if we can get that form again, then fine. But I think we need a little bit of a change in that position. And yeah, that's who I'd go with. But I, I think you've got a point with right back. I think with two of them being out, we definitely need a plan C. Midfield. Mm. Right. I am going to go for a player that I think will definitely be going. But I think that he will definitely be starting after what we've seen from the last couple of England games and the fact that I don't think Henderson's going to get a... Sh- uh, I think Henderson will go. I don't think he'll necessarily start. And Calvin Phillips, I don't think, is going to be there. No. I think he's up and it's not one of those. I don't think he might, he might not be. But in that starting line, I think Bellingham has to be in that starting lineup. Has to be, yeah. I'd, I'd go along with that. I think Bellingham has to start. Uh, he likes Rice. Um, don't be all lovely in the Chinese, yeah. but he, he, I think he'll play Rice in that holding role, and I think it'll be Bellingham and another. But I, he's Bellingham at the minute is England's best player. I think it's a big, it's a big shot, yeah. but I think he is. He's that good. It pains me to say it because of the Birmingham connections, but he is that good. Uh, I, I, I think, I think from the nations, nations league debacle, I think he was probably the best thing that came out of the games. I think mm-hmm. sort, of, sort of the last couple, anyway. Um, and I, th- I think he had a good partnership with Declan Rice. I think, I think they they worked well because. 
I've never, I've never really understood the, the having Rice and Phillips there. It's just, it's just very, so very defensive. And I think, yeah, I think we don't necessarily need that. I think, I know our weakest area is probably our centre backs. I think that's probably mm. where we are at our weakest. But I think Rice is good enough to fill in in front of them on his own. I don't, I don't think mm. he needs. I think maybe. You know, having two of them, he you know he just gets in the way a little bit. Having two back there, um, and and with Bellingham, he's he's so good at going forward and creating. So um, that's why I tweet. I know I know he'd definitely be going, but he I don't think I think he should definitely be starting. Yeah, I think he's one of the first names on the team sheet at the minute. Um, midfield is quite difficult because I th- I think we're we're quite strong in in midfield. Yeah. I. Personally, I'd start with um, Rice, Bellingham, and Foden. I don't know whether I think that's too attacking for Southgate, so I don't think he'd do that. But on, on form at the minute, I think you're looking at the three. I think maybe my names that I was thinking of are, are probably going to be those which are may or may not be on the plane, but I think should be going. I think Gallagher will be a good squad player to have. I think he's impressed a couple of times he's put on an England shirt. Um, he's, he's looked okay when he's come on for Chelsea. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to choose a, another Villa player because I actually think he's he's playing well in a in a poor team at the moment. I'm going to go with Jacob Ramsey because he's done well for the under-21s every game he's played so far. I think he's the type of midfielder that England need a bit more of you know he picks the ball up in his own half and he runs people Burlingham has that ability as well to do it um, but he's got a lot of energy he's not scared of a tackle I just wish he'd had a few more goals to his game I know he scored a, a few for his last season but just just a few more um, and I think he'd be a real sort of finished article so I'd go. He's not going to go, but I think England could do with a, that type of player, someone who'll win the ball back and just drive forward. Right, I'm going forward now. Yeah, I'm going to say three names. Okay, two of them I don't think should be going at all. One I think definitely should. So the one I think definitely should is Jared Bowen. I think yes. I think he deserves a chance. I think. He's, score, he's still consistently scoring for West Ham. I think he's got three mm-hmm. in his last five, um, two in the league. He scored in his hand last week and then against Fulham a couple of weeks ago. Um, I just think he's he's strong. He, not many, there's not many wingers out there that have the sort of strength that he has yep. going forward. And I, I think I don't think he necessarily starts. I think he gets a chance at some point at the World Cup, but I think he, I think he should definitely be going because I think the front three will speak for itself. I think he'll go with Foden, Sterling, and Kane. Mm-hmm. So it, it'd be very hard to sort of penetrate that that sort of top those three spaces. But I definitely think he's someone that you can rely on if you need a goal to come mm-hmm. on. The two names I don't think that should be going is James Sancho and, and Marcus Rashford, but you know, it's not going to be popular opinion. But no. I just, I just, I just don't think at club form, I don't think that they've done well enough. I think to deserve a call up. I think that... with Rashford is is sad as well because Rashford, two three years ago, 
you know, he was, uh, you know, he was scoring goals left, right, and centre. I honestly don't yeah. think I don't think the Ronaldo transfers helped him in any way, shape, or form. No, because I think last season I think it was Ronaldo that was keeping Rashford out of the the, the, the starting lineup because they'd spent all the money on Sancho. They didn't want to bench him. Yep. Someone had to give, and it was Rashford. And I don't think he's since then. He hasn't had a consistent run of games where I would say he's he's been brilliant. You know, he's been the best player on the pitch. Whereas two, three years ago, literally every Man United game, it was Marcus Rashford was the best player on the pitch. Marcus Rashford scored two goals. The thing with Sancho, I just, again, I just, I, I don't think he's quick enough to be out wide. I don't, and he is quite a skillful player, but... I think Sterling and Foden give so much more than what he does on the pitch. Um, that's not me being biased to Man United either. It's just it's just the way it is. They could be playing for they could be playing for Chelsea, and I would say that they probably don't deserve to go. But um, I, I I firmly agree with Sancho. I think he's lost confidence. Um, he's not been on form. Rashford is a difficult one because I think he's still showing the occasional game where you think, oh, he's back, and then he's sort of disappears again for another few I games. I just I just don't think he's he's that player that you bring onto the pitch no. for impact. I think if you take him he's only gonna be useful to you if he's starting. That that's yeah. what that's what I think I'm saying. I just don't think where where he's been sort of shadowed by overshadowed by Ronaldo, he's been used more than less than a sub. And I just yeah. don't he has that Impact, and it might be to do with him personally. You know, I I I sense that he's not particularly happy. Mm. You know, with the situation there, but he he has played more games this season. Um, purely, I just don't think Ten Hag likes Ronaldo that much. But no, he still, he does. I I just he hasn't scored that many goals, and I think we'd be better off taking sort of, you know, like a Tony. You know, or who else could we take? You know, I mean, Callum Wilson is okay. You've got Tammy Abraham as well. See, there's an abundance of players, I think, that can play out and out striker that are better than him at the moment. Yeah, I I do absolutely get where you're coming from. Um, Mine, some people might think this is a little bit controversial, and I don't for a second think think that this is actually going to happen. I wouldn't start Harry Kane. I don't think he's played well for England recently. I don't think he's done particularly well for Spurs. Um, he's well, scored a few recently. He's, he's not going to get dropped, let's be honest. This is all hypothetical because he's going to be our starting forward. But I would start Abraham over um, Harry Kane. I think he gives a little bit more in terms of being that focal point that we need sometimes. Kane, I like Kane. You know, he's done obviously really well in an England shirt. The, his tendency to sort of drop deep to try and get the ball, while I admire his work rate and his effort, I just think we need you in the box. You're best in the box. And the fact that you're coming short to get the ball and then playing it out to the wing means we've got no one in there. So I think Abraham will do a much better job of sort of like pinning in a defence back, holding his position, getting in the right areas between the posts. And I think he'd do 
much better. You know, he's obviously um, he's, he's played for quite a long time now, considering he's still only, I think, 25, 26, something like that. But he knows, um, like, Sterling and um, Foden, I think, from the youth teams as well and people like that. So I think he'd have a decent link-up with them. So that would be my controversial opinion. I think Tony should go. I think we should actually take three strikers. I think Tony should go as well. And I, I do think Kane should be on, on the plane. Um, yeah. But yeah, as as for the, the wider sort of attackers, if you like, I don't like Foden playing out wide. I think he's more effective in the middle. And I know he does play out wide for Man City sometimes. But I, I think he's much more effective sitting in the hole behind a striker somewhere. Yeah. Getting in the box, making those late runs. So I personally have him in a sort of central attacking role, um, and I'd play two out-and-out wingers, Sterling being one of them. The other one I'm not so sure about, to be honest. I would have said Grealish 12 months ago, but I don't like him anymore because he's Mason. rubbish. So, um, yeah. Mason, uh, I, what? Sorry? Who said that? I'd, to be fair, I, he'll be on the plane. I don't know whether he should start. I don't think he'll start. Um, I don't think he will. Southgate does like him, but I, I don't think he should start. I think it depends. It will but depend it's... if he plays. If he plays four at the back, I think Mount plays in midfield. If he plays five at the back, Mount won't play. I think mm. that's that's because I think in he'll he in midfield he'd play Bellingham, Rice, and Mount, and I think Foden's going to play out wide either way. I just. I just don't think that think Southgate right. sees any other position that, than playing in that position. But I think if we play five at the back, I, the, there's no need for Mount, really. I think it would be him no. that would lose out. So we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah. But I'm, but I'm sure so, sooner the time we'll probably have a bit more of a discussion about the England team and yeah. sort of where we think they'll get. But, yeah. Right. That's it for this week's Talking Points. We'll be back in part two with some Wonders of White, a quiz, and a Who Am I? Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's episode. And first up is the Wonders of White. So this blew my mind. When I read this, I couldn't believe it. So the Premier League has had seven red cards this season. And that's the fewest of the top five leagues, right? So they've had seven. The French League have had 43 sendings off in the same period of time. That's unbelievable. Closest is the Bundesliga. I think the Bundesliga had 16... La Liga had 18, and the Jeez. Italian League and Liga 1. I think um, League 1 had, four, had 43. I've got 43 in down. And I think the Italian League had something along the lines of 30 or something. 43. <laughs> I don't know. Then again, did, uh, you see the, uh, did you see the red card at the PSG game at the weekend? The Marseille one. If they, if they're given red cards yeah. for that, I'm not surprised there's been 43 yeah. of them, because it was awful. Um. This one you'll like, kind of. So Kepa um, has, um, has has stopped more goals this season than any other keeper. 
So I think they class this on goals that should have been scored, where the keeper's made a fantastic save. Um, there you and go. And uh, he's made three, and two of them came at the weekend. So. Yeah, um, I was going to say, they've come against us, haven't they? They've just come at the wrong time. Uh, Mo Salah has scored 100 left-footed goals in the Premier League, and there's only one player that's scored more with his left foot. He's got 105, and he plays for Liverpool oh. as well. Patrick Berger, is it, after last week? Not Patrick Berger. Um, it was, I think, I sort know. of late 90s, early noughties. Um, think goal celebration um, and white lines. Um <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, is it Robbie Fowler? It's Robbie Fowler, yeah. Blimey. With one of the most was... iconic um, celebrations yeah. there have been. Funny enough, they never added that into any of the uh, FIFAs. <laughs> yeah, weird that, isn't it? Really weird. <laughs> um, and last but not least, I put this in there because, um, well, we kind of have. So, uh, AC Milan have yet to lose a league game away this calendar year. Um, wow. Personally, in the Champions League, however, they have not. Yeah. Right. That is it. Um, so, quiz time. Quiz time, yes. So, I've had Joy put into the quiz this week. So, um, basically, inspired by your higher or lower quiz the other week, yeah. I've decided to do something similar. So, we're going we're gonna to do higher or lower. You've got three rounds. Yep. Um, there are bonus points up for grabs at the end of each round, uh, so I don't know how many points there are in total, but there's 15 in all, 15 questions, uh, yeah, with bonus points to come. So, are you ready for round one? Yeah, yep, yep. Round one is stadiums. Oh. So what we're going to do, we're going to start at Stamford Bridge, Lovely. which has got a capacity, according to Wikipedia... 41,841. So I want you to tell me whether Ibrox has a higher or lower capacity than Stamford Bridge. Uh, so Chelsea's is 41k, right? Yeah, nearly 42. I was going to be really mean and put Villas in, but it's actually really close between the two of us, and, and that would have been like too mean. I think there's only about 200 seats difference. Uh, I, I think it's probably, I think it's probably more. You going with higher? So you go higher. You are correct. Ibrox is actually it's got a capacity of fifty thousand eight hundred and seventeen, oh, yeah. which. I didn't realise it was so high, but yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> okay, Ibrox is just over 50,000. I want you to say whether London Stadium is higher or lower in capacity than Ibrox. L- uh, that's West Ham, right, yeah? So yes. Yeah, yeah theirs is like 60-odd thousand, isn't it? 65, 60,000. So, oh, yeah, so 60- high. Oh, yeah, so high, yeah. Sorry, higher, yeah. It is. It is indeed higher. Yeah, sixty-two thousand five hundred. Yeah, um, obviously it was built for the Olympics, so yeah. you know, not you know the seats are miles away from the actual pitch, but 
still 62,000 and they do fill it I think most weeks which is pretty good considering I think Upton Park was about 30 something thousand something like that um, two out of two so far so the next stadium uh, so you've got, you're on the London Stadium at 62,500 is Hampden Park higher or lower than the London Stadium Hampden Park ooh I will probably, I'll say lower, just because we haven't had a lower yet. We haven't had a lower, but yes, you are correct. Three out of three. Hamden Park. Uh, Park. 45, 40, 45, maybe? 51,866. Oh, 50. oh. oh. um, so not too shabby, just a little bit more than Ibrox. Um, and I think Queen's Park still play their home game at Hampden Park and they normally they get don't. an attendance of about 200 people as I said that they don't get um, 1,000 no not quite um, so yeah we're on 51,866 so I want you to tell me whether Old Trafford is higher or lower than uh, Hampden Park higher, higher. this is an easy one. Oh, yeah, higher. Yeah. oh yeah <laughs> it is indeed yes 74,140 at Old Trafford so your final one for this round is the Millennium Stadium. Is that higher or lower than 74,140? This is tricky because I, I've, it, I think the Millennium Stadium is, a, is around 70. Oh... What was Old Trafford? 74. 74,140. I'll say lower. You are correct. By a smidge, but only by a smidge. It must be. It is. It is by a smidge. It's by, hang on, uh, 169 seats. Uh, Millennium Stadium's got a capacity of 73,971. So it is lower. Only just. Um, so well done. All correct on the first round. A couple of bonus points <laughs> up for grabs that are just easy pickings because I, I didn't know if you were going to struggle with the Millennium Stadium right. one. Um, bonus points. What is the stadium with the largest capacity in the UK and what is the capacity of that stadium? Um, in the UK, did you say? Yes, in the UK. I don't know if this is a trick question. I don't, um, I'd, I'd say Wembley. It is indeed Wembley. Is Wembley? Yes. yes. Do you want me to say do how know, many? Do you know the capacity? Yeah, roughly. Oh, oh. 80,000? 80, I'm going to give you one bonus point. It's 90,000 people that can fit into Wembley. So I'll give you I'll give you one bonus point for getting Wembley. <sighs> I thought um, it was a trick question then. I thought it was, it was probably yeah. Wembley, but I was thinking, am I missing something glaringly <laughs> obvious? I didn't know if I'd made it a little bit too no. easy. But no, we're all good. So, round two is going to be Premier League appearances. It's going to get no, a little bit tougher for you. Yeah, no. So um, we're going to start off with Frank Lampard. Uh, do you know how many Premier League appearances you made? Could, you couldn't Roughly. start anywhere else, really. Uh, I'd say around about 400, 500. 609. Uh, 
Not really close, was I? Maybe for Chelsea, it It might have been for Chelsea. That would probably be about right, I would imagine. Um, So, yeah, Lampard's got 609 Premier League appearances. So nine. I want you to say higher or lower for Jamie Carragher. (laughs) Oh, God, this is tough. Um, It's getting tricky. Higher or lower than Jamie? I will just say... I'm going to go lower. You're going to go with lower. Oh. You are correct. Uh, I was just saying, because he was... I think he wasn't always first choice. But I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you when he actually started his career, though. No, to be fair, I, I th- it feels like he was at Liverpool like How before I was he even have? born. He got 508 Premier League appearances oh, in the end. Um, so, yeah, all of them for Liverpool, so just over 100 less. So, you've got Jamie Carragher on 508. Is David James higher or lower than 508? Now, he's, I think he's the record goalkeeper for most appearances, I think. He is. Because I heard it, he was on the Peter Crouch podcast. Yeah. And he mentioned it there, but I don't think he mentioned how many games he played. I'll go higher. Because he played for Correct. so many Correct. He, he played is for indeed so higher. He did. He played for, well, yeah, a lot. I'm not even going to name them all. But he had 572 Premier League appearances, um, which is not bad going, really. Um, so, yeah, you're on. You're still on marks. I haven't got a single one wrong. Um, so, yeah, David James on 572. Is Ryan Giggs higher or lower than 572? Oh, I, I just... Oh. I mean, he played for Man United for like 13, did he score like 13 or 14 straight seasons? But I'm just like sort of end of his career, he wasn't really playing that much. It's like more of a... I'm still going to go higher. Correct again. 632 appearances for Ryan Giggs. It's not, again, not bad going. He did play till he was about 40. Yeah, I was about to say. 40, I think, 41, for, something. Played for the scene amount of years, didn't he? So. A long, long time. Um, so, from 632, uh, did Jermaine Defoe have more or less appearances? Lower. Lower. He's gone straight in for lower. He is correct. Jermaine Defoe had less appearances than Ryan Giggs. Well done. He, 496. He left, he left Premier League, didn't he? So... He did, yeah, he did go. He went up to the MLS. Yeah, and then he's still. Oh no, he's just retired, I think, hasn't he? Because he was still at Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah, he retired last year. Yeah, last. Like middle of last season, he retired. So, 496 appearances, higher or lower for Phil Neville? Oh my god. Yeah, it gets gets trickier, yeah. It's a tricky one because, again, I don't think he left the Premier League because I'm pretty sure he was main at Everton. But then did he... I'm pretty sure he played like every game for Everton because he was their captain, I think. So I'm going to go with higher. Correct again. You're on fire. 505 appearances. Um, oh yeah, because I think he so, he was Everton captain for about six seasons, wasn't he? I think or something ridiculous. Yeah. Like that. Okay. 
nine more appearances. So, yeah, it was a close one. So, bonus points for this round. Who has the most Premier League appearances and what was his last club in the Premier League? Oh, um... I actually have no idea. I would... By you saying last club, I sh- I'm guessing it's not Ryan Giggs then, because it would have been... It's not Ryan Giggs, no. Yeah, he was been... second. Let my mind... It's so really obvious as well. I just know it. I am going to go with... I honestly don't know. I'll just say... I feel like I should know this. Let me just think. Have a, have a think would, for a second. Would you giving me the nationality give it away? Uh, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't at all, because he's English. He's, he is English. Yeah, okay. all, all of the top appearance makers are British of some description, apart from Mark Schwarzer in eighth, and Sylvan Distan, believe it or not, in 19th. All the other top 20 are British. I am going to say, I have no idea, so I'm just going to say Paul Scholes. It is not Paul Scholes, it is Gareth Barry. Of course it is, I'm a Villa fan. And the last team he played for is West Brom, which is getting, because I'm a Villa fan. Um, Yeah, so um, 653 appearances in the Premier League for Gareth Barry. I don't think I ever would have got, he's like gone from my mind, so I never would have got that (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, final round. Um, as we've started with Chelsea theme in every other round, we're going to do the same again. Uh, this one's about yellow cards. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start with Dennis Wise, who picked <laughs> 70, 70 yellow cards in the Premier League. Couple and I want them. you to tell me whether Paul Scholes is higher or lower than Dennis Wise. I'll say lower. Incorrect. This is higher. Yeah, first one you've got wrong. Paul Scholes notoriously couldn't tackle. 97 yellow cards, Paul Scholes. Um, Next one. uh, Yeah, it's it's a little bit easy to start with. Um, So Paul Scholes on 97. Mark Noble, higher or lower Lower. than 97? Correct, indeed. Lower than Paul Scholes. Uh, Lower than what? 82. No, no, not. No, in the middle of the two of them. 82 yellow cards for Mark Noble, um, and all of them obviously come in for West Ham. Uh, so you're correct. Next player, Patrick Vieira. Higher or lower oh. than 82 yellow cards? I and mean, then he probably got 83 red cards, so... <laughs> um, oh, it's a tough one. I'm going to say higher. It's probably It might be a trick question. Uh, hang on. Hang on, hang on. Let me... He might have been one of those players where it just seemed like he was dirty, but he actually never really got booked for it. I'm going to go lower. He's changed his mind, and you are correct. It is lower. I thought he might have been one of those that just got away with everything. I will take your second answer there, because you did seem unsure. Yeah, 76 yellow cards for Patrick Vieira. So still quite a few, but not as much as Martin Noble and Paul Scholes. Only player to get more red cards Um, than yellow cards. 
Yeah, basically. I think he's, he, he had the record, I think, for red cards. I don't know if he's still got it. Um, yeah, Patrick Vieira, 76 yellow cards. Wayne Rooney, higher or lower than 76 yellow cards? I mean, he was fiery, wasn't he, sometimes? He could be. In his younger I just, days. I just, I just, it's one of those that did strikers really get put that much, but I don't honestly know. I'll just go lower. It's higher. Phil. A lot higher as well. 102 yellow cards it's for disgusting. Wayne Rooney. He's, a, he, he's, um, he's in the 100 club, but for yellow cards. They never show yeah. that on Sky Sports, do they? They always do 100 club no. for girls, but never for yellow cards. Yeah, 102. That's, that is a lot. When Vieira's getting 76 and you're like, you know, 25% more. Well. You just don't... Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Final one. Um, Wayne Rooney, 102 yellow cards. Lee Cassimol, higher or lower than Wayne Rooney? Yeah. Had to be, didn't it, with yellow cards? You have to include him. I will say lower. Going lower, and you would be correct. See, 88 yellow cards I for mean, Lee really, He couldn't have been playing that much in the Premier League. Really. No, but he just, I mean, I think <sighs> if you were to look at like um, games played to yellow card ratio, he'd probably be quite high. But, um, yeah, 88 yellow cards. Um, I think he got most, what was it, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, he would have got most of them for. Um, bonus points. Three up for grabs. Can you name the top three clubs who have the most yellow cards in Premier League history? Well, you'd expect to be the ones that have never been relegated. So I will just say Arsenal, Chelsea and Everton. All three. Bang on. Absolutely spot on. Not in the right order, I will say. Oh, um, oh we can't we yeah. can't be, you know, picky. Chelsea, Chelsea Chelsea were on top. One thousand eight hundred and twenty yellow cards and counting. Everton with one thousand eight hundred and three, so not far behind, and then Arsenal on one thousand seven hundred and fifty seven. Um and the player with the most yellow cards is the same as the player with the most appearances as well. That's why I didn't include yeah. that one, because Gareth Barry, one hundred and twenty three yeah. yellow cards. There's a only two people in the 100 club, and that's Wayne Rooney and Gareth Barry, closely followed by Lee Bowyer and Kevin Davis on 99 yellow cards each. But yeah. So there you go, that's the quiz for this week. Yeah, right. so big well done. So you got 17 points. I don't know what it was out of, but 17 is a very good score. Yeah. Right, who am I? Going to be slightly a bit different this week because I'm not going to give you one of the clubs that he's played at, and it's halfway okay. through. The list. Okay? Okay. So he, uh, I'm assuming you want it from where he started to where he finished. Yeah, let's let's do it that way. So he is retired, by the way. Okay. So he started his career at Atletico Nacional. Oh, it's one of them where I don't know if it's Argentinian or Colombian or Brazilian. Moved to River Plate. Okay. He then moved to an unknown Premier League team that I'm not going to tell you. Okay. He then moved from that said team to 
Red Bulls. I have a feeling I know who this is. to LA Galaxy. After LA Galaxy, he played for Chivas. And before finishing his career at Atletico Nacional again. So basically, okay. give me the player and the club. Okay, so I wasn't 100% sure, but I think Atletico Nacional, I think a Colombian now. Now you've read out the the River Plate to blank to New York. Obviously, I knew where we got our angel from, Juan Pablo Angel. Um, and I knew that we'd sold him to New York as well. I don't know anything about the rest of his career, but I know that's where he went after he was with us. So I'm guessing it's Aston Villa that are missing, yes, and it's Juan Pablo Angel. The legend that is one part of the We mentioned him last week, so I thought I'd add him. We did. Um, into this thing. So, I mean, what he, a his record was pretty good. It, it not, you know, I mean, Atletico Nacional, he, he made 147 appearances, scored 45 goals, which is one in every three-ish. But at River Plate, he played 96 games and scored 46 goals. Um, Villa was 175, I think it was 44 goals. Red Bulls, though, again, 102 appearances, 58 goals. LA Galaxy was 22 games, 3 goals. Chivas, 28 games, 11 goals. And Nacional, you played 47 and scored 17 before retiring in 2014. Yeah, he was always... Well, he was inconsistent. He'd have a good year and then a bad year for us, but his his goal record was pretty good for everyone that he played for. The man with really the hairband. Galaxy, the man with the hairband. I, I, I read somewhere that he did. I, I read somewhere that the reason he did that was because uh, he couldn't speak English when he joined Villa, so he didn't know what to ask for in the hairdressers, so he just let his hair grow long. Um yeah, Perfect. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I imagine it's quite difficult for foreigners coming over to, to get that stuff like that sorted. But yeah, yeah, very good player for us back in the day. I wish we had a striker that could get 23 goals in the season like he did. Um, sadly, we don't seem to have one at the moment. But um, Couldn't find that one. No, no, but his goal record everywhere else was pretty good, to be fair. I think ours was about the worst. And, uh, you know, Villa fans still love him, I think, even now. So, yeah. Good player. Cool. Right, that is it for this week, but we will be back next week. So see you then.